0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Level Edit. Today I am joined by Glynn and Nida. Would you like to introduce yourselves, Glynn.
1: Hello, I am Glynn. I make a bunch of software in Unity um, for my actual work, and then in my free time I'm currently making a game a day, so lots of various meme games and half-baked experiments.
2: Hey, I'm Nida, I'm a Game UXer and player psychology person.
1: And
0: I am Dan, and um, I'm sort of making my own independent games. And my primary focus is on game design. So, uh, today we are discussing violence as a mechanic. So obviously there's been a lot of discussion about violence and video games, but they all tend to have a different sort of dialogue to them about, you know, is this detrimental to people's health and to the society in general? But we wanted to kind of discuss it more as a mechanic. So, you know, does it make a game better? Does it make a game worse? If, it, if violence does change a the game, then how does it change the game? And finally, are there any alternatives to violence? So, first question. First I wanted to figure out what we mean by violent and non-violent in terms of games. So, uh, one model that exists is the Funk and Buchmann's classification of electronic video games. And there are six classifications here. The first one says that um, it, 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 that belongs to games that are general entertainment, that involve no fighting or destruction. We also have educational games involving learning or problem solving. Fantasy violence, so this is cartoon violence. Um, there is fighting and destroying and the risk of being killed in order to achieve a goal but it's not with real characters or sort of humanoid characters fourth category is human violence, It's very similar to fantasy, but with humans this time. Five is non-violent sports, which do not involve fighting or destruction. And six is sports violence, involving fighting or destruction. So that might be um, a sort of beat-em-up or kickboxing or some, some sort of game like that. So those are the six categories. Um, what do you think? Where do you draw the line between violent and non-violent games? What to you is a non-violent game? Glenn, do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, sounds good. Um, So for me, I think that having six categories for something is is a bit too much. I I would mainly describe it as you have violent, semi-violent, and non-violent. So with violent, you're generally forced to Um, achieve some level of violence in order to complete your objectives. So this is a game where either you can't get through to the objective without being violent, or you are encouraged heavily to commit. I know in some games, like even in JuiceX perhaps, you can have an entirely non-violent playthrough if you go around tranquilizing people and things like that, or stealthing, but it's still presented to you as the major way for which you complete your objectives. Um, I think that semi-violent is when the violence is there but it's not necessarily part of the main objective so it could be um, like in Stardew Valley, like you have mines where you can go down and fight monsters, but you don't actually have to do that if you want, you can take any other method of going through the game and even if you do do that it's never part of the main experience really, it's just a side part that lets you get other things that contribute to your main experience. And I think non-violent games are perhaps games like Journey or Limbo, where there might be kind of external threats, but you have no method of kind of fighting back against those external threats. If that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that that's very interesting.
2: That is pretty interesting though, like you're saying like six is a lot, but then you've still given three. <laughs> right I'm yeah not saying that's bad. it's just interesting like you know we are even myself is like we're categorizing it as a spectrum of violence Well how we're defining violence as different types of violence but um so there's uh, a woman called dr maria fisk who's a health games researcher Um so she looks at like games and violence and things like that and the way she defines it is you know violent video games are those that when violence is the best thing needed to resolve some conflict so it's more like it's an integral part of a game to progress for example whereas other definitions like for example with lawmakers they might go down more like the whole physical brutal against human people route for me though personally i think it's a, a really tough one and i don't think there's an industry standard as to what a violent game is uh, as compared to non-violent because You know, you can say a game with like hate speech, for example, is violent or emotional abuse is violent, even though it may not have any physical violence. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from, where I'm like, violence is, like we're saying, a spectrum rather than a binary thing against non-violence.
0: Yeah, I guess the closest thing that you could get to an industry standard is probably like the Peggy ratings. Mm. So obviously depending on how violent or gory or... Uh, if there are specific themes that are mentioned or brought up throughout the game, then that will affect what uh, age rating or certificate your game is given. So I'd probably say that's the closest to like the standard. But at the same time, as you said, it's not really, you know, it's not. A, this is a 7 out of 10 on violence. And, you know, if there were emotional violence in games, it probably wouldn't be classed as a violent game, but it might have dark themes or uh, some sort of classification like that. Um, I think discrimination is one of them, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I think so. Um, if you look on the back of like boxes, I know mm-hmm. back in the mm-hmm. times when you used to <laughs> buy games that you could hold, it says like you know fear, um, discrimination, etc. So um, I think that's one of them. There. There's also like drugs and alcohol, etc. Okay, yeah. For me, I think it's kind of weird as well. Like sports violence is such a random category to have as opposed to like non-sport violence the only difference I could see there really was like intent, is the intent behind violence different, in a sport I guess yeah. it's just you're there to win, you're not there to kill somebody, whereas other violence is more, you know that's, you are in my way and I will
1: end you <laughs> <laughs> There's also uh, there's rules to a sport and I, I know there's meant to be rules for war and stuff, but it's not really in the same You mean kind like of... limits, as it were. Yeah, like, even in martial arts competitions, there's certain things you're allowed to do and certain things you aren't allowed to do just to prevent extreme injury. Um...
0: No, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, it's, it's an odd one. I don't know. I don't really play many sports games anyway. But for me, violence... I'd probably say... I'd probably have three categories again. I'd probably have... Uh, non violence such as say the likes of The Sims. I know there are violence interactions in there, but the game, you know, that's probably like ten percent of interactions are violent and it's it's a game that could be played entirely without any violent interactions at all. Um, then I'd probably have cartoon violence. This is like your Mario. But I think people look at Mario and think, Oh my god, that's so horrifically violent. Um because it's just you know cartoon Goombas that aren't really anything, and you jump on their heads and they poof into smoke. It's not particularly graphic or violent, uh, but it is technically hurting something, and they can also hurt you. And then the third category would probably be like more realistic person, like a sort of PvP where you're actually playing as a human. Um, there's like Overwatch where you're like. You know shooting at people's heads, it's pretty violent, even though it's not particularly graphic in terms of blood or gore. And then there's stuff like Doom, which is very graphic and there's blood everywhere. So, um, yeah, i would probably say those are my like three categories personally. Um, so, the next thing I wanted to look at was why violence is so common in gaming, it is such a prevalent theme. Um, I would say, like, the majority of games that exist nowadays do involve violence. Um, Would you agree with
1: that? Uh, I think I would agree with that. And I'm not sure if... I know a lot of games when they started out were kind of like Pong, very simple and there needed to be some kind of obstacle or thing you were playing with. I think it's a hard one to kind of pin down, but... Generally I think, not necessarily violence is the easiest form of conflict, but I think when you have a conflict in a game, especially when you're involving uh, people, if you're trying to simulate resolutions, oftentimes the technology isn't there to support dynamic interactions like you'd have in the real life, and I think because of that communication tends to go either one or two ways. Video games don't do very well at representing the medium of interactions you can have, so it's either you get along or you don't get along. So I think oftentimes it's just a quick and easy way of forcing the player to go down two paths. Um, I, yeah. think, I think you see that a lot in like RPGs especially, where you have the path of peace and the path of violence. Just because representing the entire middle of those two would be very hard and then you'd also have to think about like what are the long-term consequences definitely Uh,
0: and i think with rpgs as well like retribution is the theme like retribution is i think considered an interesting option If you, you know, in RPGs, if it is something where you're given an option, then it's a question of do you kill this person because they've been mean or do you let them live because that's the good thing to do? What is the right good thing to do, you know? So, yeah, I could definitely see that being a question that comes up a lot. I thought it was really interesting what you said about Pong versus, like, for example, nowadays we have Fortnite. Um, I kind of see video games as. A way to explore experiences that are otherwise impossible. Pong, in some respects, is in other ways impossible. I know there's like those little ice hockey tables. I don't even know what you call them, where you have a little puck and you have to like knock it into the opponent's side. Um, that's probably the closest physical game that I could see that is pong. Um, but with Fortnite, for example it just gives you opportunities to do things that would be completely impossible in real life. Uh, you can't go around and shoot people in the head in real life. That's, you know, that is not something that you can do because you will just go to prison. Um, it is against the law, you know, that's you, you can't take other people's lives into your own hands. But with gaming like that, it, you do have the opportunity to do that. Um, and... No, they're quite exhilarating situations I suppose I mean look at GTA look at all of Grand Theft Auto those are filled with things that you wouldn't do you know you there's like uh, you can hire prostitutes you can kill prostitutes you can just kill pedestrians in streets you can pull people out of their cars and drive around with them and there's pretty much no consequences in the real world because that's that's just what the game is you know it's just a bit of fun it's just like a sandbox experience so I yeah, I don't know, yeah. I just think it's about like, what's possible in gaming, and violence is something that is not really possible in real life, but is possible in gaming pretty much without repercussions.
1: I don't necessarily think that it's a person playing out the stuff that they'd want to do in real life. I just think it's kind of like when you get a, bu- a box filled with buttons and you want to kind of press every button to see what happens. Uh, yeah, I
0: could see that. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that you know, we're all secretly psychopaths <laughs> and we want to go around killing people, but I don't know. I think it's just it gives people a chance to do that, and I think yeah. people do do that, because like you said, the button's there. I can press the kill everybody button. I can press the drive run over grandma button. Yeah, like, and I, just... I
1: I think with a lot of games, like some of the best experiences had at the beginning of the game when everything's still new, and I think there's almost like a human quality to learning the game with trying different interactions, seeing what happens, Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily because of real life or if people just want to see all the crazy things you can do in the game.
0: So even if it's something that's violent that they wouldn't normally do, it's more a question of, hmm, I wonder if I can do this?
1: Yeah, or um, like you, you know, you jump off a cliff to see what happens, kind of thing. <laughs> um, which you do in some games, especially I think, especially when it looks like there's kind of like a second level down there or something, but it turns out to be like an invisible death wall or something. Yeah, again, low repercussions. You just do it, and
0: then if you lose, it's three separate, and you're back to wherever you were, not dead forever.
1: Yeah, but I wonder yeah. if that's more like a development or like a learning mechanism
0: yeah i could that's,
2: see that It's really interesting because it's like providing you with like um like a safe environment right to try these different things and like you said it's not like they are by default wanting to kill everything but it's like it's kind of like scratching that itch or you know when, when you see a button you're like i want to touch it and then when you do it releases all this tension and it's more exhilarating um there's a bunch of that when it's new and but I, I don't think violent games are inherently bad because of that. I think it's just to providing a different type of experience, right? Um, so I was reading off on, like, um, so there's something in psychology called the self-determination theory. Um, so it's, it's about motivation. So we generally have intrinsic, you know, internal and extrinsic, which is motivated by external things, um, types of motivation. But they're there to fulfill three different types of need. So, the first one is autonomy, where you want a sense of control, uh, a sense of belonging. So, you usually get that in games when you have like friends and stuff like that, um, and social situations where you can interact with people. And the third is a feeling of competence, um, which you get through a game as well, especially violent games. So, you know, you can train and level up, um, and then you feel that rewarding sense of feeling. Um, and then that can loop back to your motivation um, in terms of them working in a cycle together Um, and I think violent games not all violent games but like when you're talking about like GTA for example that's a game that does it really well or like when you're doing like playing Overwatch for example the social element there is strong but then you also feel in control by choosing your character but then you are leveling up and stuff Um, so I think stuff like that plays a huge role in the popularity of violent games
1: are you saying as well like violence gives you like an easy measure to determine your competence because like with mm. uh, MMOs and other games when you level up you you become more powerful um, and overwatch as the more you play the better you might get kind of thing so it's like an easy way to level
2: how yeah or at you least feel. show or at least show how competent you can be mm. so like, used as a tool to show these things that make you feel good about yourself because then, of course, there is the question, you know, if you, if you replace that violence with something that's non-violent, would it have the same result and stuff like that?
0: That was my question. So, <laughs> yeah, if, if, like, you had a pentakill, for example, where you just got five kills in a row and the entire enemy team is dead, uh, it, is there something that's comparable that would not be violent?
1: I think uh, violence is a very easy entry-level for competence because you know maybe you have a game where you have like the most complicated system where you learn to do alchemy if you like mixing potions things like that unless there's something to start you off you're gonna feel really incompetent to begin with and like compared to a moba where you go in and maybe you're terrible but you at least like do some damage there's that constant feedback of what you're doing You know, you might instantly die, but you did like two damage compared to a more complicated system where you're just like, well, I survived for like two minutes uh, or I made like a thing, but it didn't really do anything. Or, I mean, maybe it's worth, you know, like exploring other things as well, like um, with Minecraft, you can instantly place down a block and then you place down more blocks. Uh, and you don't know if what you're making isn't good, but you know that you've got more blocks than you have before. So it's kind of like an easy entry-level metric to measure your competence at, right?
0: Yeah, that is true. That is something... I can't think of anything that is comparable to, like, a pentagill. <laughs> so, like, you know, on that same, by that same metric, I think you're right that violence is easy to understand. It's, you know, if you die, you do something wrong. That's You're not supposed to die. I don't. I cannot think of a game off the top of my head where you're supposed to die. Um so it's just sort of easy to understand, like you say, and it's sort of universal yeah, as well.
2: Especially, especially like from a user experience perspective, right? Um you can show the impact of violence very quick, right? Um so you can do like a screen shake or visually you see someone dying or you know, you get this thing where your screen goes red when you're dying, for example. Um so I think generally in the design process, violence is, I don't know if easy is the best word, but it's one where we have found a formula, at least, Or you can show its impact uh, with the least amount of information, for example, and get a good result from players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so my next question would be, what violence actually adds to a game? So, what are the benefits of violence and what
1: are the drawbacks of violence? um i think we were just discussing how it adds a very easy to understand metric and i think that's the basis of it i don't necessarily think that metric has to be violence. um i think it all kind of ties down into stuff like crafting or base building uh perhaps base building um like you were talking about with the psychological intrinsic aspects it goes into its own version of that but with violence you always have a measure of how you're doing and you always know that you're doing something and you know maybe you can replace that with something like Minecraft or something like Journey where you're traveling so you're always understanding that you are still moving and you are still making progress. Um, I think that's a a big benefit of it. Uh, It also adds a super easy way of resolving and doing conflict anyone can understand it so i think it's not necessarily a feature but it's a tool and i think it's a tool that has a very good place just because of the amount of options it adds
0: yeah that makes sense do you think it's something that people think about when they make a game do they think oh we're making a violent game, we're making a non-violent game? Is that something that comes into like a developer or designer's head, and do you think it's something that should?
1: Um, I think it will. I don't know if necessarily for the reasons that we've just discussed. I think, um, obviously, as a business decision, it's very important. Even to think about who you're targeting, even in different countries, you might not necessarily be able to do violence against certain animals or things. Um Like, you can't have Brahmin in India and things like that, Uh, like Fallout discovered. But I think, yeah, I think that people do take it into account, um, just because A, marketing, and B, when you're including anything into your game, you have to think about how people are interacting with it. Um, Obviously, it depends on the genre of game you're making as well. Uh, but it also might be a case of if you're making a Battle Royale game in 2018, you have to think about, do you need to do violence in the same way that everyone else is doing? Because you might end up with the same exact game.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think sometimes you're, you're making a game and it's not a question because the premise is a zombie game. Like, yeah, Are you going to make a zombie game with no violence? But I, I highly doubt it. Um, maybe like the violence that you can technically inflict. If we look at something like amnesia where you can't fight back. But again, I feel like it's not a question that you ask yourself halfway through development. It's kind of in the pitch. And the pitch is like the first thing that you have for a game idea. So, yeah, maybe like the level of violence is the only thing that I would tweak. Um, Yeah. So, Nida, what do you think?
2: Um, it's, it's a tough one, right? Because I think when you're talking about violence we, in this, at least when we're having our discussion right now, we're talking about it about as like a tool rather than an actual thing. And I think when you're looking at it from that perspective, you've got to see what purpose does violence serve in your game? Like, is it necessary? Um, is it going to forward the story or gameplay? Um, and if it's going to be used, is it used adequately or appropriately enough? Like Glenn was saying, with like different cultures and stuff. You need to consider stuff like that. Um, but I think violence in a way can be good. So I'm saying this when you use it in a way that makes sense to your game, because for example, in a narrative context or character development context, it shows like some multi-layered experiences, um, cause you can experience this character in different ways, um, but then there's also stuff like fulfilling different play styles. So like some players, some game is just like messing things up, right? So you've got like GTA Online, for example, where you know you can have multiple people playing on a server, but you can kill other people playing the game as well for the sake of it. Um, so I think it's, violence can be useful in that sense where it can add another layer, layer to the experience of gameplay. But, I do think, in the design process and in the pitching process, you have to weigh up its value and its necessity as you go along.
0: yeah, no, I think that's good advice. uh The only really things that I have to add to that are that I think violence and sort of life and death life and death situations are very high action, they're very high intensity, um so it can be good to sort of get the blood pumping um And I feel like there's also like a connection between you and your avatar. Uh, A lot of the time, you will refer to your avatar as I or me. Like, ah, I got hit. I am out of mana. You know, you don't say Ash is out of mana or Lux is out of mana. If you are playing that person, you just refer to that person as yourself. So I think there is some sort of connection inside the player's head about they are this person in the avatar world. And there's also a connection in terms of, you know, oh, my God, I nearly died or um, I got away with like five health or I am dead even I feel like those do also sort of resonate with the player's sort of own psyche in a way so uh, I do think that violence can definitely add to the sort of fight or flight Um, what's the word adrenaline sort of adrenaline to the situation so I think that can work. I would also say that violence, in a way, can be funny. Sometimes it can be very shocking, which can just be funny automatically. Um, it's entertainment in a way. But then on the other hand, as we talked about, you know, it might lead to restrictions either in sort of places or my specific example was ages. If you add too much violence, then it's not going to be appropriate for uh, younger children. Um, violence could also be off-putting, if. I mean, neither. you said yourself, you don't really play violent games that much. So Mm -hmm. if you saw something that was overly violent, GTA, for example, you probably wouldn't really be interested in playing it. You might find it repulsive. You might not even want to finish the game Mm -hmm. because it's against your morals and you're being forced to do stuff that you don't really like doing or is against what you would want to actually perform as a person or avatar. Um, And my final point was that I think it can also be boring. There's a point where violence is just so abundant that you're bored of it. I think it's also uh, quite common in like horror movies or gory films where it's just like blood after blood and just blood everywhere Mm -hmm. and limbs everywhere. And it's like, how much more gory are you intending to make this scene? Is it really actually adding anything to the experience at this point? And I feel like, you know, oversaturation can be even worse. You know, as they say, less is sometimes more. So
2: Yeah, I think just going back on that final point, I think you can see that in the context of, like, horror movies or horror games. Um, so, like, horror games that are done pretty well. So, I know, like, P.T., for example, I mean, it was only a trailer. Um, and there was some gore, like, like, near the middle and end. But a lot of, like, tr- playable trailer was around using like imagination as fear or being told a backstory that might have been violent to get you through it but violence wasn't the main thing for storytelling. Um, So it's a good like add-on but I also think it's yeah so when you use it it's like about timing and what impact you want to have if you are including violence to the experience.
0: Definitely in horror games especially sort of like the aspect of psychological horror, can be mm-hmm. just as frightening as the gory element. And like you said, they kind of um, play off each other to emphasize as you elevate the
1: experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: OK, I think, um, oh, just one side note, I think as well, violence kind of changes the way your players perceive the world. Um, I mean, learning anything about your game, I think, changes the way that the players perceive themselves once they start to understand the rules. Um, it will change the way they play. I think horror games are very good at, at least the good, the better ones are good at um, hiding the rules of the game from you, because there's nothing less scary than the horror game that you know what the enemies can do to you and you know how to fight them and things like that. But with violence, I think um, my example would be like Skyrim, where violence is abundant everywhere, but it gets to the point where you'll be you'll see like a camp of people. And you will shoot first and ask questions later. Because you know like ninety nine percent of people hanging out in the wilderness are bandits and will try and kill you. Um and the same with GTA, like once you kill a person, like the first time, you know, you hit someone in your car and you might be like, Oh god. But then you realize that these people are kind of just faceless lemmings essentially. Mm-hmm. And after that it just becomes like, well, why do I need to swear to avoid this person because it doesn't really matter
2: yeah so it reminds me of a scene in alien isolation where like you go into a new room and you see some people talking um based on previous experience, you're meant to sneak up on them and kill them, but in this context, if you sneak up on them and kill them, you have to restart that bit again um so I think you know violence is also like reward and punishment attached to it too hmm and what it means to forward your story, like, maybe you're not meant to kill certain people, but, or it could be used as, like, a learning tool as well, so, it's how you use it.
1: Yeah, especially if you're doing, like, AXP attached to people, that's probably what you have to be really careful of, because, you know, the people might stop seeing the NPCs as interactions and start seeing them as loot bags, essentially. <laughs> um, like, oh, Yeah, hey, that's I like really you. interesting. I really like you, Mr. NPC, but you drop a really nice sword, so... uh Oh, oh <laughs> the the good example of that, actually, would be um, there was an NPC in Fallout 3 who had a really nice hat. Mm. And he was like the mayor, I think, of this town that you were kind of meant to save. And you could choose to blow it up as well. But so many people killed him just because he had a really nice hat, and he was the only NPC in the game to have that hat. Oh, no. But, uh, yeah, it it was interesting.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you were saying about violence being present, but also optional. So you have the power to kill people, but that's not necessarily the right thing to do in every scenario. I'd kind of like a game that sort of explores that um, topic a little more. For example, having to deal enough damage to incapacitate somebody without actually killing them outright. Sort of like how police officers have to dis, or like deal with um, certain violent criminals before they deal with any more harm, but preferably without killing them, because I think that's sort of exercising the skill aspect that we talked about, competence. You know, mm-hmm. how much should you hurt somebody, and it's not necessarily about being able to do the maximum amount of damage, but doing the appropriate amount of damage. I don't think I've seen a game that really like explores that very well. So yeah, I think that's something that could be interesting. So we've talked about what violence adds to a game, but I now want to sort of apply that to audiences. So does violence draw in particular audiences and by the same token, are there particular people who would be turned off by violence?
1: Uh, I think that it's pretty much a universally applied thing to some degree. Perhaps the level and the way it's represented differs across ages. I think that, um, especially with younger kids, it's easier to understand violence when it's represented without a lot of other stuff going on. Um, like, I think even if you were to give a really young kid GTA, which I would not recommend, but um, whatever, if you were to give them that, there's so much stuff going on inside the game that perhaps it's not the best thing to represent balance in. Whereas simpler games, like even like Zelda, there's one thing going on at a time. So it's quite easy to appreciate the Violence and how it fits into your personal goals. Um, besides that, I think we've mentioned problems with like religious violence against certain types of animals or things, or um, even with nationality, especially if you're including real life countries or people in your games. That becomes like a whole nother topic of um, histories between cultures or races. So I, I think it mainly matters in like a marketing standpoint i'm not really very good on the psychological aspect of it
2: yeah i think the psychology around it's kind of tough because you you can't say like x group of people are drawn towards violent games um because there's no like set personality or set type of person that exists you know like we're saying violence is a very varied experience and at different levels um and then on top of that you can't really determine cause and effect right which way that works as well like you know you can say oh yeah i think the general trend is you know men tend men are more likely to play violent games compared to women um but is that because men are more on console and pc where there's a lot of violent gaming compared to mobile for example you know there's a whole whole bunch of like social socially determined factors involved. Uh, Like, and even evolutionary, or at least a paper said, for example, I was reading today, like, um, it was saying, like, how some women would show they played violent games to show their attractiveness in the evolutionary sense. I mean, this is just a theory, for example, but I'm just saying, like, I do think it's something depending on the type of violence or the style of game, like, genre you're using, you're going to have different audiences rather than violence itself having a set audience. Because I think when we play games we, in a lot of games, we engage with violence in different ways. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting. I wanted to pick up what you were saying about, you know, are there more violent games on console, and is that why boys, or males, are mostly playing violent games because females are not really playing on consoles? But then I'd probably argue the counterpoint that Developers know that there's a lot of males who have consoles. So Mm -hmm. if they're making violent games that are geared towards males, then that's why all of the violent games are prevalent on console or PC, as opposed to the mobile market, which I think has a majority of female user base. I'm not sure by how much, but I think it's a majority. So if people want to make a game that resonates with women for some particular reason... Um, then maybe that's something that they wanted to publish on the mobile because they know that that's more accessible for their target group. So maybe what I'm trying to say is maybe there are violent games on console and PC because that's where the majority of the males are who are the main target for these games. So I guess it could be argued in both directions.
2: Yeah, that's not to say like women don't play these games or women don't like violence, for example. We do. I think it's just... So I don't know how the marketing research works for example, but I wonder if there is like a gender oriented oriented thing. I wouldn't be surprised if there is. Um and women do play violent games, but I'd be interested to see if there are like through studies if there are different reasons they play these violent games. I mean compared to boys for example.
1: I think the correlation gets even more kind of dodgy Mm -hmm. with stuff like this just because if you look at for example like military shooters which are violent games, you could probably see that more men compared to women play those games. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But there's a bunch of other factors that contribute to that, like, are more men into military shooters compared to women? Like, the military aspect might be the big selling point of it. So I think it's, it's hard to isolate. A, violence, and then B, to narrow that brand of violence down. I know we just categorized it into six things, and then three things, and then six other things. But so... it's
0: all generalizations. So I can definitely see where you're coming from. And, you know, I'm not saying women don't play violent games, blah, blah, blah. I think it's kind of the most, the easiest divide that we could make, or assumption that we could make uh, based on violence and particular
2: groups. Um, yeah, especially in the. Right, triple sense, right, you've you've kind of, to a degree, got a formula, right, Uh, and a loyal fan base. So you're going to tailor your violence or general content to them. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And the numbers speak for themselves. And a lot of times, you know, there'll be marketing experts out there that are sort of pushing towards a particular brand um, and helping um, their core audience find their game and enjoy their game basically so maybe this knowledge extends beyond what we actually know but I think <laughs> it was interesting to touch on in any case um, I did find a study uh, which discussed the differences between um, the top 10 girls sorry the top 10 games as rated by girls and the top 10 games as rated by boys Mm -hmm. And in the study, they found that nine out of 10 of the games on the girls list were non-violent, whereas in boys, the majority of games were violent. So I thought that was something that was interesting, and it kind of correlates with what we had already assumed as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The only other point I had to mention here was age ratings being forbidden fruit. So if you're 12 years old or 13 years old and there's that 15-rated game that you're like, oh, that looks so good, and I bet it's amazing because it's 15-rated, um, it might be something that you think, you know, that might be something that's actually alluring, the fact that it is Forbidden Fruit. They're not supposed to have it because it's something that's considered beyond their age range. Um, uh, yeah, mine's... <laughs>
2: Yeah. It reminds me of that thing, you know, when you're like, don't think of the pink elephant, and that's the first thing you think of. It, it's like when you're told not to do something, it's probably going to make you want to do it more. Exactly.
0: Um, it kind of made me think of... Um, <laughs> I remember I remember seeing a meme that was about Call of Duty and My Little Pony, and it basically <laughs> had the target audience and the actual audience just swapped her out, <laughs> basically. Um, oh so, God. yeah, maybe there is something to... Uh, people actually wanting to play games that they're not allowed, which really is only applicable I, to
1: the age Yeah, I mean, I think there has to be an initial want to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I was younger, it was always my brother was playing something, and yeah, I saw him definitely. playing it, and then I wanted to play, so I had an initial desire, and then, you know, my mum being like, no, you can't play that, just would then make me that desire increase i'd be like what do you mean he's playing it like he's playing it just fine he's having a lot of fun like i join in on the fun
0: yeah definitely
1: so i think that it, it isn't something that doesn't come out of nowhere i think that mm. But i mean nowadays it's a lot more easier for that to happen because kids will watch their favorite youtubers playing it um yeah
0: it's definitely a lot easier <clears throat> in terms of accessibility for these games whereas prior it was pretty much you had to get a parent to go in and buy it for you if it was a specific rating.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll never get that scenario where the parent sits down with the kid and goes through an entire like Wikipedia list of games they can't play, <laughs> just to rile the kid up. <laughs> the kid has to want it from somewhere already. Yeah. Well,
0: I wanted to briefly touch on it, even though. It's not something that I want to be the main focus of this because, as I say, violence and video games and its effect on its players, etc., is is something that's discussed, I swear, yearly. So um, I just wanted to quickly touch on it because I felt like it would be incomplete not to. But would you say that violent video games are bad for their players? Um, Do they lead to the normalization or glamorization of violence? Um, does it have sort of desensitizing effects and can it cause societal or behavioral problems
2: that's a really big question you're asking (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um so just looking at like general research and stuff it's so the general idea is no games don't make you more violent and violent video games don't make you any more violent um some studies have found like short-term effects but the thing is especially in the research community, what you see is like a lot of survey based uh, studies going on. So it's self reported aggression, for example, or something that they kind of measure the aggression, but it's not like physical aggression. Um, So it's more like emotional aggression, for example. Um, And then you have other things with like, a lot of studies don't look at the positive and negative effects of gaming. So sometimes they can be very one sided. Or they're using small samples and stuff, but generally you don't really see a long-term impact of playing violent games. Um, so I was actually reading a study earlier about like <clears throat> people were playing a game uh, that was violent, and then they played the non-violent version, but it was like killing bugs, um, and they found no difference in like aggression levels afterwards. But interestingly, players had more fun playing the non-violent version. Um, And generally felt better after that. Um, But interestingly, because it was bugs, it might be a different thing compared to if you were hitting humans, for example. Um, But so I think that's an example of like, you know, playing a violent game doesn't inherently make you more violent. Um, And I think we were talking about this before, like this topic that we chose today was inspired by that Twitter, right? like The non-violent game of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was made in response to articles talking about how games make you violent. So this is pretty different in that sense.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm not with it in such of a psychological sense. I think with most games, the main objective is not the violence. It's you're doing something and either violence is a way to get there. It's a way to remove obstacles. So it's never, like, the objective is never just to massacre, like, a million people. It's There's always an objective, and you might massacre a million people whilst getting to the objective, but that's not the point. It's just they were kind of in the way. Um, I also think that the way people are represented in video games is not as people. It's almost like robots. Um, you have to I, be
2: careful about that, though.
1: Yeah, but I think, you know, if if you were to have a game... Where you have a super realistic rendering of a person, which we're pretty much there on, and you had a very realistic artificial intelligence or some kind of like pseudo artificial intelligence, and the objective of the game was to torture or in some way distress. I mean, I me and Nida were talking about erotica games and things like that, and and I think this would step into dangerous territory, especially with that. And you could see the effect on your actions, and that was the only point of the game. That sort of thing might have a very deep and lasting mental or emotional effect on the way of person playing it. Um, and I think then you could start to call into question that. So I, I don't think the discussion is ever closed. But I think where we are now, and the games that people are making, even like GTA, I think do not have any real parallel to real life.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I, I, very, I liked what you said about, you know, games are constantly changing, and it's not something that we can necessarily say, uh, oh, violence isn't important, it doesn't affect us, that's it, put it to bed, not discussing it anymore, ever again. Mm-hmm. As, you know, Pong, if we look at Pong, that's not really very violent. Um, I'm sure the Atari had very violent games as well, though. And that doesn't necessarily mean they like the topics or the themes are not any less violent then as they were now, but the graphical display or representation of it has become much more realistic. Um and, you know, you can like literally rip something's head off. I can't remember <laughs> what game it is. You can literally use your bare hands to rip something's head from its neck and you can see its spine and it's pretty disturbing. It's a lot more disturbing than, you know, a couple of pixels flying off the top of someone's head and, you know, that's, that's it. You've technically decapitated them. So I remember reading in Jesse Shell's book, he he discusses this and he says, violence it isn't something that we can just not talk about ever again. It's something that we're going to have to constantly come back to as games are getting more and more realistic. Because as you say, nowadays, they're sort of photorealistic. It can be hard to tell a difference between if a picture is actually from a game or if it's from real life. I've totally done that before And I'm looking at screenshots from games, especially one sort of there in the Unreal Engine with really good mm. lighting. Um, it's incredible. So I could definitely see, like I said, it, it almost does look like real life, which is crazy. So maybe it, looking like real life kind of makes it bleed more into real life. But on
1: the whole... Yeah, I, I think stuff looking like real life to me is not as important as things acting like they would in real life
2: no but sometimes just the visual visuals can dominate in that situation like you look at a visual and then you make assumptions and you have certain biases involved in how you respond to it and even when you're designing a game you have your real life as a basis to inform your design choices
1: i mean maybe i'm just saying this now because even with like the unreal stuff that looks really good don't get me wrong that there's still like an uncanny valiness there, where like I right, look at if, that if I it's
2: mean. if it's resembling people, right? Like, you have this, there's like studies on like you know, when you see a um a triangle shape, an upside down triangle shape mm. with some basic features, you know, people relate that to like human stuff or animate stuff, for example. So, I understand uncanny valley, but I do think it's, yeah. it's not that simple, um, especially because. You know, like, GTA and other games, you know, they do, like, uh, do satire of, like, politics and stuff. So you've got that as another thing to consider as well when you're talking about violence as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I do understand that graphics is important. I think, like, if you were to imagine, like, a YouTube video, except you're playing it as a game, mm-hmm. so it looks exactly like real life, I could see that being very possibly you know, have have external consequences.
0: Yeah. In terms of studies that I've read, uh, most of them mention that violent video games can exacerbate pre-existing mental health conditions. So if you're already predisposed to violent behavior or if you perhaps don't really understand the difference between virtuality and reality, then um, violent video games can be problematic in that sense because you might sort of pick up some habits from them or start to think that certain things are okay because you've seen them represented but it was mostly um it mostly had consequences for those who already had some some sort of mental problem whether or not they knew about it or not so yeah i think for the majority of people it's probably safe
2: Yeah but I think even with mental health issues that's fine right because the problem with these studies is they're not really clearly classifying which violent mechanics specifically uh, and how many hours people are playing, what other outside factors are influencing the mental health condition as well. Like I'm not going to completely ignore like that uh, games can have an impact on how you feel or how you experience things in real life but I think it's more being mindful of, especially when you are talking about mental health and addiction, it's how you are categorizing these things and how you are categorizing the long term impact. So.
0: Definitely. I certainly don't know enough about this. Yeah, neither
2: of... do I, but I think it's, it's, it's a good caution to have because that I don't think we all or anyone knows enough yet to say definitively anything. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Okay, very interesting. So. We've talked about the problems that violence can pose in games. So now, from a practical perspective, I think violence, as we've already discussed, is used as a relatable model because pain is a step towards death and death means game over. That's very easy to understand. It's easy to grasp. And it's a universal concept. But are there any alternatives to this model? What other ideas could be used by designers uh, to represent progress or you know are there other measures of health are there other fail states that we could use um and should should we be using them
1: yeah i think um going back to what nida said like a while ago about the different needs a person has i think in a lot of video games nowadays what i see is a need for competence and a need for safety that's why you see a lot of like base building games and things like that and I know for competence you have um puzzle games you have games like Minecraft where your main objective is to gather stuff and get better stuff to gather stuff with and although there are mobs in the non-peaceful version plenty of people play on peaceful and to be honest if you remove the mobs like you still got a pretty good game. I think most people bought Minecraft before they added like most of the mobs in. not most people bought Minecraft, but like a significant amount of people bought Minecraft. So I think that going forward it's something definitely to think about when you're trying to meet these needs. How you know you're you're creating, you're allowing players to make them feel, selves feel safe in the environment but perhaps there's also a question of like if there is a need for like safety in video games whatever that means there's also a need for like a danger to that safety um like you know in most of the survival games you build shelters to protect yourself so but I, I think with regards to violence like there's ways you can create a scenario where players have to do stuff to make them feel safe without necessarily having things attack them, it could be like environmental, it could be... Um, you know like you, you could still have a game like with, like Subnautica without any hostile creatures, you just have to have environments that are slightly more hostile. Um, I mean most of the environments are hostile already, but for example you could have storms or things like that. Um, I don't know if anyone else wants to jump in on this.
0: I agree. I think environmental
1: uh, hazards are
0: definitely something that could be used. I don't know whether you would consider it violent, being struck by lightning. (laughs) Mm. Is that an act of violence? Uh, Kind of hard to say. I guess it depends again on how we're defining violence. Um, But yeah, there's definitely some good alternatives there. And there's also like time limits, you know, uh, maybe you only have so much time before a door locks or closes or, you know, the sand timer
1: runs out. and yeah, I've it's just in like
0: alertness.
1: Sorry, carry on. It's just other ways of measuring like your competence or progression, right? Like in journey, it's how far you've travelled, but it could be how far you got in the level compared to last time. Uh, I think it's just like how effective those things are answering that. Yeah, yeah. I, exactly.
2: I think yeah, so it's it's how you define your feedback systems and your reward systems in your game. Um, again like back to how you're valuing different types of violence like for example when you're experiencing like death but in the context of you know someone was killed that you're meant to care for um the response to that you might get is grief um so it's like how can you use that as a tool to not like reward violence but show the consequences of violence for example um so i don't think it's as simple as you know making it violence oh you just kill someone and then maybe you'll get a few coins or something. Uh, again, that depends on the type of game. Like if you're prioritizing narrative over combat, I know that's a whole controversy in itself because you can kind of have both. But it's you know if you're if you have more violence than narrative in a game, for example, uh, it's it's a different thing. So personally, I think reward systems is an interesting way, but that is a weird one as well because we are moving towards you know this. Uh, free-to-play style and general games as a service model so I think that in itself would raise more questions of how do you then uh, use violence in your game series over time you know are you just going to have it as a thing for rewards or are you gonna use it as a consequence for your actions especially when you're having different audiences you know the audience is growing so if you've got more people wanting to play a game how are you going to accommodate all their needs If there is violence involved,
0: yeah, and then violence could be used to do that, or maybe it's something that you want to veer away from, depending on your audience again. Yeah, very interesting points. Moving on, so this is one of the final points that we want to discuss today. What steps can be taken by designers to make a game less violent if desired? So, if it's something that your team has decided, you know, this needs to maybe be brought, brought down an age rating. Um, how are we going to sort of strip the violence
1: out of this? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's important to define the progression of your game in terms of uh, what does the player want to achieve at each point? How will they know when they've achieved this or when they're getting closer to this and i think sometimes especially with game design one of the examples i would use but it's also applicable to journey is you know like the player wants to go down the mines in Stargy valley and the reason why the player wants to go down to the mines is to secure minerals and also maybe to explore the mines but you could, in theory, just have a bunch of mines, and you go down each floor, and you mine a bunch of stuff. And there's no threats, there's no violence or anything. But in reality, when you're going down each floor, you don't really want the player to like spend ages on each floor because they've got about 100 floors to get through. So having them spend too long on a floor, or just repeating the same action over and over again, is not great. So there needs to be a threat to keep them moving. So, one of the things you have is if you spend too long on one floor, you'll have new enemies come in and try and mob you. Um, You know, as you'll be mining stuff, enemies will come in to just kind of annoy you, like there's a present threat. And I know in Journey there's some areas of the game that do have a similar threat which keeps you moving forward through those areas. So I think some games don't need that threat, but I think if your game does need some form of threat to keep the players moving. I think like Portal doesn't really. But if your game does need that, because that's the way it's designed. I think looking into how can you make a threat that isn't necessarily a thing, maybe it's environmental, maybe it's the way your environments are designed. Um would be interesting to see like if you could take your design in a similar direction but with different components involved.
0: I think that's really interesting actually. So the question is really, why do you have enemies and what, to, what yeah, exactly. purpose do they serve, you know? Is it to show, is it, is it to test the player on their skills? Are there abilities used to sort of dodge abilities or um, is the player facing more and more difficult bad guys in order to show their competence and are there other ways to do that? You know, maybe you include more complicated parkour or something like that, depending on what your game is. So yeah, I think that's a really, really valid question. Why do you have enemies and those violent interactions in the first place? And maybe look at why you have them, and then maybe look at ways of moving them around. Like you said, maybe there's just it's basically a time limit in stardew Valley. So or why not physically impose a time limit, or um or you know, like you said, maybe make up some other environmental reason as to why they need to get out of there quickly, or adding that source of pressure, sort of recognizing that all you're doing really is. Presenting a threat in order to heighten the intensity of the experience Um, Recognizing that and then thinking okay, well, that's one way we could do it. What are the other options and sort of brainstorming and seeing from there? Very interesting. Do you have anything to add Nita? Okay,
1: yeah, (laughs) I I just do want to say quickly there are some other ways it fits in because each day you have like a daily timer as well Um, and if you do die from monsters in the mines you do reset and like lose some stuff so there is a consequence to that that's tied to the overarching game mechanic to help people feel like it's kind of like a risk reward scenario i guess
0: yeah no i like the design i think like you said it's it's something to add pressure it's a risk reward situation is it something that you feel that you are going to be able to do uh and you do you risk losing something if not but uh, yeah, like, like I, I don't mind the motivations, I think the, motiva- the motivations behind the designers to make that are yeah founded, yeah, yeah. it's just, you know, is that the way we want to sort of present the threat as it were?
1: Yeah, it's thinking about why the violence is there in the first place. Actually. Exactly. Um,
0: for more sort of simple solutions, there's stuff like you can remove blood splatter, um, I think moving stuff to comic violence rather than straight up violence is a good method. And obviously this really depends on sort of um, which countries you're planning on releasing as and releasing in as well, because as we've already discussed, some of them have sp- very specific rules on what sort of violence can be displayed and what cannot. So a little bit of market research definitely goes a long way. Yeah,
2: um, that reminds me of like, you know, I think they call it like ragdoll physics, don't they? Like the funny mm-hmm. games
0: where mm-hmm. it's like,
2: you know, you can get gang Beast for example, or a uh, hotline Miami. I know there was some controversy around that game because it was so violent, but even then it's like kind of messing around with violence. So yeah, you can use it in different ways.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think also, I know we very, very briefly touched on intent right at the beginning, but I think, by depicting your violence as doing good for the world, or being the right or moral or just thing to do, it's much easier to justify it as well. So if you're killing bad guys and evil, right. kid, princess kidnapping <laughs> monsters, then that is much better than
1: yeah. you know, ten thousand zombies later.
0: Exactly, exactly, and I think that's why zombies are so popular as well. Yeah easy and they're obviously evil or bad and a threat to humanity, yourself and others. So that's another quick fix, make the bad guys badder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so that about wraps up the discussion for today that we were having on violence as a mechanic. Uh, as we wrap up, I wanted to quickly ask are there any particular games that you wanted to bring up that you haven't had the chance to already? And also, what is your favourite non-violent game?
2: I think that's a really, really tough one. Um, So I don't know if I have one specific favourite one. Um, So the game I've been really liking recently is Wondersong. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, It just came out this week. Um, What is it? it's very similar to hue i don't know if you've heard of that i don't know no. <laughs>
0: um
2: we're essentially using like you have a wheel of color and you select different colors to change your environment and stuff like that in hue um and it's a very similar mechanic in wonder song um but it's using music as well and color to progress in the story um and i have seen some gameplay of it so i am planning to buy it but i thought it was a really nice way of like telling the story um and kind of progressing through a long game as well, without using violence. That's the that's the one that comes to the top of my head.
1: Awesome. And Glen, um, I think there's probably a bunch of other examples, but I think probably weirdly enough, although I never play it in peaceful mode, I think Minecraft does spring to mind just because most of my time, I don't, I don't particularly care for the violence in it. I'm more interested in exploring the content of like mods things like that making crazy machinery contraptions or pipelines so I'm never really focused on the violence and I'd, I'd probably have the same experience on peaceful mode but I do with the uh, mobs turned on hmm.
2: simulation games
1: yeah some degree yeah well...
0: yeah I agree I think simulation games are oh, yeah
1: a great fit. Another good one would be Astroneer, I guess, even though it does have kind of some poisonous plants and stuff.
2: That's fun, you can go around the planet and do stuff and explore. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say, what's Astroneer? (laughs) I I think most of my favourite non-violent games are building games, uh, or Mm. building crafting.
2: Yeah, it's like you've got some goal other than violence, right? Like I think that's a huge part to why Stardew Valley was so big and is still so big. Exactly. you know pe- people make jokes about oh i'm gonna spend my day mining or growing <laughs> crops that's the thing that makes me really angry or this is my goal for the day
1: but... yeah i mean even runescape i spent most of that game mining
0: <laughs> i think it's also like about the change of pace mm. you know there are some games where it's like go 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 and it's really intense and it can be very stressful i feel like Star no, sorry, Stargy Valley um, is probably more on the relaxing side of games. I mean, I'm probably, I'm sure, it's very stressful growing crops as well, but <laughs> in a very different way. Uh, so maybe that's something, and maybe it's not just to do with the violence, but other factors as well.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, as for myself, uh, I, my my first answer was The Sims because that is something that I really enjoy, and I did play. I I spent like three or four of my teenage years just playing The Sims. I was, yeah, a big fan of The <laughs> Sims. Um, but if I were to think a it harder, I think some of my favorite and most interesting games um, are the Izzy Maze series. He's done a series of Grow games. There's like Grow Cube, for example. Mm. And they are mostly puzzle games, but they're extremely abstract and... It's it's more like, um, essentially there are sort of like 10 elements and you add these elements into a world in a specific order. And there is one order that wins the whole game. But as you can imagine, if there is 10 items, that's a hell of a lot of permutations that you could decide to add. Um, there, there's a lot of permutations of orders that you could decide to add the elements in. Um, and it's really interesting to sort of see how the interactions play out with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they get really high-tech and futuristic uh, materials, and sometimes you're left with sort of like a volcanic mess. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably one that I would recommend that people check out.
2: Oh, that's really interesting. Like, we didn't mention any mobile games per se. Like I know there's a stereotype of like mobile is generally casual. I mean, there's a lot of like RPG style games that are like really high in the charts. But generally, we didn't mention anything like Candy Crush or that style of gaming, which has always got
0: interesting. Yeah, it's true there are certain genres that do not really lend themselves to violence. I think puzzle is a big genre that mm-hmm. doesn't really involve violence for the most part. Simulation is another one that typically doesn't, although it's probably a bit more prone to than straight puzzle games. Yeah, um, And I feel like, yeah, the majority of... I feel, like, I feel like the majority of games on the mobile market are mostly puzzle uh, or arcade to a certain extent um but they're kind of like abstract goals so it's not mm. really about depicting violence but yeah definitely a good point maybe it's because we don't really i mean i, I speak for myself mm. when i say i don't play mobile games
2: <laughs> yeah i think also partly like personally for me i can't say for you too, but i'm also kind of swayed by what's on twitter as well um so there is a game by brie code i think it is called the self-care app Um, So it's a game where it kind of encourages you to indulge in self-care. It's already got over a half a million downloads, I think. But that game is literally just about helping you calm down and chill and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see there's a whole, like, you know, a whole, I don't know market's the right word, but people are interested in those types of games where there's no violence at all. It's more about self-reflection or relaxing, like you were saying, for example.
0: Yeah, I definitely think there's a place for them. Um, just as I think there is a place for violent games, kind mm. of, about whether or not it's appropriate or necessary or adequate to use all the words that you used earlier, Nida. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so that about wraps it up for today. Thanks for joining us. If you are interested in learning about other non-violent games, there is a Twitter called the Nonviolent Game of the Day Twitter, Uh, where they do exactly that. They'll tweet out um, a whole bunch of interesting non-violent games if that's something that you'd be interested in. If you have any thoughts on this topic, uh, please do let us know on Twitter. Our handle is at leveledit. We would love to hear from you. And that's it for this week. So we will hear from you uh, next time. Bye. Bye.